We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And we just wrapped up the longest and hottest practice of 49ers training camp so far. Went a little over two hours long. Typically, your average 49ers practice is about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Um, But I could tell from the way practice was going that Kyle Shanahan wanted to give the offense is one more session to put something together. And they finished with kind of a move the chain session. I believe the defense or the off the first team offense got one first down. And then the second string offense got probably the same one first down. And then that was the end of that. And you could just tell from his body language that Kyle Shanahan's probably had about enough, uh, probably had it with this defense. And, and that's a good thing. Obviously he's the head coach. Uh, this defense falls under him as well. And by all intents and purposes, it looks like this defense is going to be something fierce this weekend. And that I meant, I said this weekend, I meant this season. Um, now, obviously, that doesn't mean that the offense is going to be incapable of moving the ball. We know that's not the case. Uh, we said it on yesterday's podcast. The defense is stacked from talent from top to bottom. They know Kyle Shanahan's offense just as well as the offense does. And obviously, a defense has to react, but... They know the plays, they know what's coming, and they are all about it. They are all about it. So with the long practice, with the hot practice, came a couple fights for the first time of training camp. And all I could think about was Ryan Gosling's character. Don't forget he was a liability. Uh, in the in the uh, locker room, just or excuse me, in the, uh, the dorms they stayed in for that summer camp, just yelling, fight! <laughs> um, it was mainly... Brandon Ayuk and Fred Warner, which is interesting because it's two. Obviously, Brandon Ayuk's not exactly a veteran. He's in his third year. And you just rarely see two players that are kind of like at the forefront of the team going at it. And that's exactly what was happening. 
Uh, Fred Warner has been in Brandon Ayuk's year. He admitted it himself. Brandon Ayuk acknowledged it, said Fred Warner was kind of joked, but maybe he wasn't joking. Said Fred Warner was annoying as hell. And I think after a play, Fred Warner took a couple more because 49ers defense is told to always swipe and punch at the ball after the play. Um, you'll see running backs and receivers keep running with the ball just to give the defense a chance to come up and try and punch it out. Well, I think Fred Warner took a couple extra punches at the ball that may not have even hit the ball. Who knows? Um, and Ayuk and him immediately got into it and went to the ground, which, you know, I, I, maybe maybe a little bit of props needs to go to Brandon Ayuk um, because Fred Warner is a massive, massive person. And Ayuk wanted all the smoke. He didn't care. Ayuk's six foot – about six foot, 200 pounds. Fred Warner's almost six, four, probably two fifty, And Ayuk went right at him. <laughs> and, um, apparently it had enough of Fred Warner's bullshit. So they squared up on that play. Then not long later, maybe five, maybe about 10 plays later. Uh, there was a Aziz Alshire linebacker put a, put a kind of a dirty hit on one of the receivers, Marcus Johnson, uh, a little, little bit of a blind side popped him. Marcus Johnson was kind of slow to get it up. And the moment the offense saw that hit, they came running out. Like I couldn't, from my angle, I couldn't exactly tell who came running out. But a good chunk of that offense came running out to defend Johnson, who was on the ground, was slow to get up because of that hit. And then I know Ayuk I- was part of that group that came running out. And then all I see from my left, from the middle of the field, is Fred Warner just in a full sprint straight to straight to that that fight. And I couldn't exactly see through the pile what happened, but right after Brandon I, or Fred Warner got over there, immediately I could see him and Brandon IU rolling on the ground. I think basically they squared up, and then they got kind of caught up in the pile fell over, and then just started rolling on the ground. And that was the second fight in the span of about five minutes. And after that, Kyle Shanahan kind of brought them all together. And the special teams coordinator said after practice that Kyle Shanahan basically said, like, look, I appreciate the intensity. I appreciate the energy. But you have to channel that towards the game and take care of each other. Now, it was hard to see what happened, but the second time Fred Warner and Ayuk fought, it just seemed like there was a small chance that Ayuk was taking a little bit of a cheap shot, like saw another opportunity to come back at Ayuk and ran at him from his blind side. But I don't think he just ran straight into Ayuk and put a hit on him. That would have been dangerous. I think he kind of ran up to him. They, like I've, I've read other beat writers say at that point, they kind of squared up and then ended up on the ground. So, but, you know, my take on fights is they're okay. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of alpha male personalities with extremely high testosterone levels in a physical contact sport, out in the heat, hanging out with each other all the time. It's going to happen. It's it, it happens all the time. It's just, it's extremely common in football. And I don't really have a problem with it as long as nobody gets hurt. You know, there's, everybody knows when they're fighting what their intent of the fight is. You might just be fighting because you disagree in that moment, but you still might not have intent to hurt somebody. And that's obviously where the 49ers have to make sure they draw the line. If they were to ever see anything that looked like one player was trying to hurt the other, then you've got a problem because you just can't, you just can't have that for obvious reasons. So 
I mean, I'm less concerned about fights than I am, you know, cheap shots on the field or, or in scrums like that. It, it just, it happens. I mean, at least, you know, the 49ers are going hard enough and care enough to fight about it. You know, there's, there is a silver lining there. You don't really necessarily ever want to see it because it just could kind of drive a wedge between, between people. But in most cases, fights like this actually bring people closer together and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll dap it up later and they'll, they'll be fine. So I wouldn't blow it out of proportion. Um, I, I would just, like I said, I'm, I'm less concerned about fights than I am the, the cheap shot that started that second fight. And there were a couple of those throughout practice where, you know, basically in, in practice when it comes to hitting is they're never tackling, but they are hitting, you know, it's, it's like thud, they call it like thud tempo. And what, what it means is you come up and you hit the guy, but you don't, you're not driving your feet, attempting to take him to the ground or wrapping up his, uh, below his hips. They just hit. And there was a few hits today where it seemed like there was a little bit more umph on it than there needed to be. Um, and the only, only reason I'm, I pulled away from some of that stuff is you just don't want players to get hurt in training camp, period. You don't want players to get hurt, period. You don't want players to get hurt in training camp, period, before they're, you know, as they're preparing for the, the season. So there's a fine line to walk there between physicality and approaching the game with, with intensity that you need while also making sure that you're taking care of, of your teammates. So um, definitely an interesting day in that regard. It was, uh, it was intense on both sides of the ball. Right after practice, we had uh, Debo Samuel's press conference to kind of talk through his his three-year extension with the team. He's now under contract through 2025. Um, if you didn't hear yesterday's episodes, me and KP kind of went over the the numbers behind that deal, and, and it, it was a pretty good deal for both sides. I don't think the 49ers overpaid, and I still think that Debo Samuel got what – you know, what, what he had, what he deserved. I mean, that's the best way to say it. Got what he deserved. Um, hopefully my, my network that I used to record this podcast just told me it was disconnecting and now it's reconnected. So hopefully it didn't just cut me out there. Um, so pretty straightforward press conference from Debo Samuel. Didn't really say anything that in regards to his trade request or the process that kind of, we couldn't have put together ourselves. Kind of just chalked everything up to business decisions, whether it was deleting his 49ers content on his Instagram or requesting a trade. Uh, it, it, he basically said it was all done with with business in mind and, and trying to get to where he got. Uh, and if you remember when uh, Raheem Mostert, now with the Dolphins, former 49ers running back, he requested a trade too. And immediately after him and the 49ers were able to come to some resolution that kept him on the team. So, uh, you know, a trade request for the most part is just one of the more drastic measures a player can take to kind of spur a little bit of action, get some magnifying glasses on the situation, get the national media talking about your scenario. And that's to me what it seemed like what Debo did is he was just trying to make sure that the 49ers knew he was serious. And, you know, it, it I'm not going to, I just don't think that the trade request means that he doesn't want to be with the 49ers. He got paid and he's kind of just like, well, I'll make it work because I got paid. I, I think he wants to be here. The team appreciates him. Uh, he loves it with this team. You could just tell that everybody loves having him around. He loves being here. It was just something that they had to work through. Like you said, the business element of things. He did say that he and Trent Williams spent a lot of time together and that Trent Williams was a huge part of 
of helping Debo Samuel understand what was going on, understand what his options were, and just giving him some veteran guidance as they walk through as they walk through that um that you know what was Debo Samuel's first real introduction to genuine NFL business. You know, when you're trying to negotiate a $70 million deal, things aren't always going to go to planned. Things aren't always going to be pleasant. John Lynch got on a press con press, uh, whatever you want to call it, conference call before today's practice and, and basically said the same thing Debo said, like everybody loves Debo Samuel. He loves being here. And, to them, it was only a matter of time before something got gun got done because when the two sides want the same thing, it's only a matter of time. And that's what John Lynch said. It was only a matter of time. We both made it clear to each other that Debo wanted to be here. We wanted Debo. And it was just figuring it out. Debo Samuel said this past week when the contract was kind of entering into its final stages was one of the long- longest weeks of his life. My question to Debo was... And apparently you guys trying to watch that press conference. I, I saw a couple comments on Twitter that said it was muted. Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, obviously I, I, there's no solution for me. I can't in the middle of a com- press conference turn around and say, hey, they can't hear anything. But um, it, hopefully they fix that. Hopefully they can at least get a version of that press conference up that isn't muted. But it was it was clear that both sides wanted to make it work. They just had to go through the process. And I think one of the people that might have had the most accurate hold on the situation was Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan kept saying to everybody, you know, look, social media, texting, everything through the phone, even FaceTime, we just need to get in the same same room together. We just need to all be in the same place and talk about this. And I'd heard that the 49ers traveled to meet with Debo Samuel just to start working stuff out. And once that happened, then things were starting to progress. You know, once everybody got in the same room, figured out what everybody wanted, talked about any discrepancies, you know, I'm sure it was Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, Debo Samuel, and his agent, Tony Dandy. And they just worked it out. And now, it's all go. Debo Samuel got about twice as many reps today that he got yesterday. He did get some reps with Trey Lance. The two connected a couple times. Debo Samuel caught some passes from multiple quarterbacks, and, and he looked good. So, you know, now it's just full go and getting him integrated into that offense. And the sooner the better because Trey Lance need to, needs to develop chemistry with Debo Samuel the same way it seems like he's already developed that chemistry with Brandon Ayuk. So, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Uh, the one other uh, pretty significant thing in terms of the national media and that narrative was that Debo Samuel said he never had a problem. One of the big things that came out prior to, you know, after the trade request that Debo Samuel was not happy with the back half of the season and being used as a running back and a wide receiver. If you look at his box, his box stats, you know, in, in the, towards the first half of the season, I mean, he was on pace for a ridiculous amount of receiving yards, probably averaging over six catches a game. And then it like, and, and while he was averaging probably less than a single carry, and then right around midseason when the 49ers started dealing with injuries, that kind of flipped. Debo Samuel was, he was still catching passes, maybe three or four a game, but then he was averaging at least probably six or seven carries a game. So his, his primary role became running back. But I was always confused by the by the idea that Debo Samuel would be upset about that role because one, that's kind of what ushered him into that true superstardom range of playmakers, and two, he seemed like he loved it and he coined the wide back role and he talked about it at the Pro Bowl and and he asked for the ball against the the Cowboys and then he ends up scoring with it on the next play. So I was always a little confused about how Debo could be upset about that role when that role was part of what made him so special and so valuable to the 49ers last year. So he got paid. He has incentives for running the ball. So if he does run the ball, he can get paid even more. But he made it clear that he was never upset about playing that wide back role. Sounds like he expects to do it, and it sounds like he just wants the ball in his hands. So, interesting part of the press conference. I the one question that I asked Debo was, "You were just, you know, you just signed this monumental contract that you've been working your entire life for. How did it feel? What you know? What's your mindset?" He just said, "It was unbelievable. It was life changing." He after he signed it, he just looked at his agent and just couldn't believe it. Like he just said, it was. It was unbelievable. Now, everybody knows that Debo is not necessarily long-winded. He doesn't have long answers to questions. His longest answer was probably 20 or 30 seconds. So it it was a pretty short press conference, still pretty by the book, but there was a few things to glean from it. And really my biggest summary is the two had to play hardball with each other. 
They may not have always seemed like friends throughout the process, but they find a way to came together and, and got it done. And now kind of it's in the past. I don't think anybody cares anymore. So we're moving on, but Hey, we're on, it's, it's Trey update. Trey Watts, 2022. Every time I'm breaking down training camp, which again is, I'll be back on here tomorrow, then Thursday's day off, then I'll be back on here Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and you guys should be getting those episodes either the day of or at the very latest the next morning. So, Trey Watch. Trey Watch, Trey Watch 2022. Trey had a decent day. I, I want to say I read from the other writers that he was about 10 of 16, somewhere in there. There was some uh, a couple drops and a throwaway included in that. Uh, he didn't have any turnovers, which is a solid step in the right direction for a, a quarterback in his first real year. I always want to say rookie quarterback, but obviously he's not a rookie, but this is his first year as the starter. So for him to limit those turnovers is going to be a huge point of emphasis throughout the season. But today he uh, he did a really good job. Um, didn't even really have any throws that I felt could have been picked off. There, there's just he had a pretty solid day when it came to risk limiting the riskiness. Um, it's it's tough to be in Trey Lance's position right now because I mean it seems like every play the defense is is giving Lance limited opportunity. He's under pressure. He's facing small windows, going throwing against good DBs. The run game isn't necessarily getting going um, because I mean, in every way, shape, or form, Trey's job is is difficult right now. It's it's not easy, but he's doing his best, and I would say at the very least, he's becoming better and better every day at avoiding pressure, keeping his eyes downfield, trying to figure out a way to make a play. Um, I know that there were. A couple plays today that really stood out to me. Sorry, I'm adjusting the way I'm sitting here. If, it, if my voice got weird. A couple plays today that really impressed me. One was he was getting pressure kind of from the right side and then a little bit from kind of basically both edge rushers. And, and he kind of sidestepped underneath the edge rusher coming from his right and then sidestepped again to kind of put some distance between him and the rusher coming from his left. And then he just sidearms it, fires it down the middle of the field at George Kittle, who was running kind of a skiddy post. And the DB was running on Kittle's right side, kind of over the top of Kittle. And Trey Lance sidestepped that pressure and boom, fires it straight at him, did not put the ball in the air. And that didn't give either of the DBs a chance to react because the safety was kind of over the top. And then that DB or linebacker, I couldn't tell you which, um, was running alongside of him a little on top of him. And Trey Lance just fires it in right at basically George Kittle's inside hip. Kittle just kind of falls down and catches it as he's falling. And it was just a really impressive throw from multiple angles. For one, avoiding the pressure. Two, just a real quick release. Bam, firing it out there. And he pretty much threw it. In the only place where only Kittle could catch it, and he took the two DBs out of the picture. And I thought that was a, a pretty impressive throw. He did something very, very similar later in the afternoon where he sidestepped some pressure, kind of ran up the pocket, and then found Ayuk over the middle of the field. Bam! Fired it in there, put it right on him. But Ayuk kind of uh, short-armed it. it. looked like he might have alligator-armed alligator the pass. And if you don't know what alligator arms are, 
they're just kind of when you don't extend your arms all the way, you're kind of worrying about what's in front of you. And in and, and Brendan Ayuk's defense, he did have what I believe was a safety right in front of him. And that kind of might have been a dangerous throw by Trey in terms of what would have happened in a game. It's hard to tell, though. Things happen so fast. And all you can kind of do is take down a quick note. Um, but Brandon Ayuk let that one hit his hit his hands and he dropped it. But still a very, very impressive uh, play by, by both Trey Lance and, and Brandon Ayuk had he caught it. Now, my only real concern right now for Trey Lance and watching practices is he's not getting a ton of experience operating the offense. I, I was talking to Grant Cohn about this. He's not getting a ton of experience operating the offense in rhythm. You know, like it's it's highly unlikely that he is going to face the kind of constant pressure during games. One, the offensive line will just get better. But it's highly unlikely that he faces this kind of constant pressure during the season that he's facing in training camp. And if he is, then the 49ers have got some serious, serious issues. But I, I, I expect the offensive line to improve. I expect them to start gelling more. I expect them to start, you know, figuring it out, building up that cohesion. You know, you got to understand the whole middle of that offensive line is kind of a new group or a shuffled group. So it's going to take them a little bit to to develop that chemistry. So that could play into the reason, you know, why Trey Lance is constantly under pressure. And I don't think he's going to be under pressure that much during the season. And so you're almost seeing an offense that is just constantly running plays off script. I mean, not off script per se, but Trey Lance is constantly dodging pressure, extending the play, finding somebody that's open. And he really doesn't get a whole lot of time to just operate the offense in rhythm, kind of how it's intended on paper. Now, no plan survives first contact, old military phrase. You know, no play in a in a foot in a, in a playbook is going to go off. Rarely do they go off exactly how they're intended, especially when you don't know what the defense is doing. So it's, it worries me a little bit that Trey Lance just isn't getting a whole lot of experience to operate the offense in rhythm without somebody breathing down his neck, but that might not be the bad a bad thing. Trent Williams said yesterday that, I mean, they are going up against one of the best defenses in the league, and that's just going to kind of help them adapt to what it is they need to do on the field. And, I, you know, it's just my concern could be completely overblown. It could be invalid, but it just seems like, not many of Trey's throws are done on time or if you you guys know what I mean, the defense is in his face constantly. So it's just hard for Trey Lance to really find that rhythm and, and run these plays with the timing that I'm sure Kyle Shanahan wants, but not necessarily a bad thing. Just means that Trey's getting very used to improvising and, and making it work in the framework that the defense gives him because they are coming after him constantly. It's uh, it's pretty impressive to watch. Before the, the team session started, we got to see what I believe was our first one-on-one of the year. Well, I mean, it wasn't of the year. They did one-on-ones yesterday for the first time, but this was the first one that was on this side of the field, and they were doing like nothing but kind of intermediate to deep passes. And on the very, and what was also was cool about these one on ones was 
they were done right in front of one of the stands. And it was almost like an elementary school was there for, uh, because all through the front of these stands were a bunch of little kids that were hardcore Niner fans. They knew all the players' names and they were all about this one-on-one session. They were going nuts. And it just made standing there and watching it all happen hilarious, you know, because for one, the kids did not care about the defense. Every time a DB made a play, they didn't care. They were just like, oh, man. Like, But every single pass that was caught, they just went nuts. And it, it made it really funny. A lot of the writers on the sideline were just cracking up because the kids were just making it so much more fun and uh, intense than it normally is. But very first rep of one-on-ones, Brandon Ayuk gets behind Jimmy Ward, and Trey Lance just lays him a beautiful, beautiful deep ball right over the top of his shoulder, caught it. Would have been a touchdown. Uh, I mean, if 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 these one-on-ones were real, you know, one-on-one coverage with no help in an NFL game, then sure, that's that's what it looked. But it's they're still fun to watch. They're definitely set up for the receiver to have more success than the DBs, but the DBs held their own. Not every pass was completed. It was about 50-50. And, uh, and Brandon Ayuk is just, he wins his one-on-ones routinely. It's, it's it's impressive. We'll talk more about him a little later as one of the, uh, the standout players of today. Uh, again, just getting behind Jimmy Ward and Trey Lance just putting on him. Trey Lance seems like he's, he's refining his deep passing for sure. I've seen him put several passes throughout the past couple days exactly where they needed to be on deep passes. So that's exciting to see. Uh, Malik Turner, formerly of the Cowboys, he had a pretty amazing one-hander uh, down the right sideline over uh, over rookie Sam Womack, who had decent coverage. He wasn't quite in his hip pocket, but he was right behind him. But the ball was just laid perfectly in there. I don't think it was Lanson threw it. I'd want to say it was Sudfield that threw that one, but it was a uh, it was a perfect pass. And I I think Womack might have had Turner's arm pinned, and Turner just put out his right arm and and reeled it in, no problem. So I mean that was there was another rep where Danny Gray, who we'll talk about here in in, in a little bit. I mean I guess that's a good transition. Danny Gray had one hell of a practice today, but he had one rep against Jimmy Ward where I'm not entirely sure what happened. I don't think that Danny Gray broke Ward's ankles, but Ward may have tried to press him and Danny Gray just ran over him. I I didn't exactly see what happened because Jimmy Ward essentially just laid on the ground with his arms in the air, like almost like, damn, what the hell just happened to me? While Danny Gray just went and caught like a like a post over the middle with nobody on him because Ward was still on the ground, and Ward was Ward was a good sport about it. He dapped Danny Gray up after the play and and after the session. And I just I wish because what was happening is is they would have a rep ready to go on the right side of the field and then another rep ready to go on the left side of the field, and the quarterbacks would just switch off. So the moment one rep ended on one side of the field, the other would start. So if I was trying to take a note or anything, by the time I looked up, the other rep would have already would have just be starting. And on that one, I just didn't see the beginning of it. And all I saw, I look over and and Danny Gray's kind of running unchallenged and Jimmy Ward's on the ground right at the line of scrimmage. But, but he looked like he took it in stride and he thought it was funny. He was kind of slamming his hands on the turf, pitching a fit. So. 
it was definitely a fun one-on-one session. Those things can get really competitive. But like I said, Danny Gray is our first training camp standout for today. Uh, Danny Gray, the 49ers rookie third round pick was, was all over the place. Now, most of his reps come against the second team defense because he's not moving Brandon Ayuk, um, Debo Samuel, Juwan Jennings. He's not moving them out of the way. So he's, he's had a lot of his reps with the second team, but they have came a lot of them did come against Ambry Thomas who finished last season as the 49ers starting corner. So he's still getting reps against a quality player. And I don't think every rep was against Ambry Thomas, but it was, it was a clinic from, from Danny Gray today. I want to say he caught four or more passes. One of them was kind of a deep crossing route that he went up and caught and then came down and was immediate, immediately hit, but just absorbed the hit like a champ. And came down and was just like, just standing there like, because my impressions so far of Danny Gray were that he was a little slighter than you would like. But he's he's actually a little bit bigger than I'd given him credit for. And he took that hit like a champ, kind of signaled a first down, and then ran back to the huddle. And then later on in practice from Nate Sudfield, he caught this beautiful deep pass. He got behind Ambry Thomas, stacked him, stacking meaning he was running right over the top of him. And Sudfield laid it laid it in there, and Danny Gray caught it, and it would have been a touchdown for sure. Um, had the play continued to, to develop, they usually just kind of turn and run back to the huddle. But Danny Gray looks good, and it's he's got a tough uphill battle. You know, I wouldn't. I was talking about this with KP on the sidelines. I wouldn't necessarily say that Juwan Jennings, who's currently the wide receiver three, and Danny Gray, I wouldn't necessarily say that. They're in, they are in competition, but I could see them both getting an equal share of the offense and opportunities. They're not similar players. Juwan Jennings is a, Juwan Jennings is a bigger, slower receiver, but can still, can still create. So he had trouble creating separation today, but he can still get open and make plays much bigger than, whereas Danny Gray is kind of like your average size receiver, but a speedster. So I could see both of them getting equal action along with Ayuk and Debo, who are clearly the focus. But I don't think that 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 either Danny Gray or Juwan Jennings necessarily needs to beat the other person out. I just think that they're both going to be on the field for different situations or at the same time. But, you know, Danny Gray's selling point is his speed and his ability to take the top off the defense and make plays like we saw today. And I was very impressed with him. I'll be looking out to see if he gets any reps from Trey Lance. I don't know if he's caught any passes from Trey Lance in the team drills yet, but I'm going to keep an eye out that for that because after the day he had, they could maybe start rotating him in with the first team offense just to see if he can, you know, make the same plays against the first team defense. So, but I was um, I was pretty impressed with with Danny Gray today, and then right behind him. Also on offense was Trey Sermon. Now, Kyle Shanahan had some praise for Trey Sermon leading up to camp. Talked about him being a a bigger player. Obviously put on muscle, you know, ready to take the next step sort of stuff. And so far, he's looked good. You know, Trey Sermon's listed as 6'215", 
I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was if he was bigger than that now, weighed more than that now. He looks solid. Um, I don't know if the 49ers were trying to spell Elijah Mitchell today and just give him a little bit of rest because Elijah Mitchell, or excuse me, um, Trey Sermon got quite a bit of, of reps with the first team today and looked good, looked solid, looked quick. Um, he looked ready to go. So we'll see if that can, keeps going. But he had, he had plenty of reps, and it seemed like he made the most of them. He had one one run where he, uh, like I said, defenders will come up and pop somebody, but you, you can you can you can usually tell if they were actually in position to make the tackle or not. And Trey Sermon had run one run where he he was making players miss and get picked up about 15 yards, kind of just right down the middle of the defense, and was kind of earning it the hard way. And uh, and he was firing up the crowd a little bit, coming out of the taking a few hits and stepping out on the field and and kind of making it known that he'd made a play. And so it'll be interesting to see how Trey Sermon's camp goes and if he can establish himself as the second guy behind Elijah Mitchell, because I think a lot of us have Ty Davis Price, their rookie out of LSU, as kind of that guy. Now, Ty Davis Price has looked good running the ball. He's looked solid as well. Not so good in the receiving part of things, but maybe that's a part of his game where he'll improve. But I think that as of right now, it looks like Trey Sermon is giving Ty Davis Price a run for his money when it comes to how many reps either of them are going to get behind Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell has still clearly looked like the man. He looks good. It just seemed like he had a little bit less reps today, which could definitely be intentional. When you have that many running backs, and if, if Kyle Shanahan's open to a competition, he's going to give all of them reps. He's going to let them roll through it. And just because somebody got more reps than Elijah Mitchell doesn't necessarily mean anything, especially if Kyle Shanahan's convinced that Mitchell's the man and he needs to figure out what's going on behind him. Another running back that I didn't write down who's looked pretty good is Jamichael Hasty. Very quick, very shifty, good catching the ball. Uh, he's in a fight to make the roster along with Jeff Wilson Jr., but he's looked okay. Jamichael Hasty's looked okay. Another running back that I mean, I might as well keep going on him is Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason, a rookie out of Georgia Tech. He is a big, stout. Just for for comparison's sake, let me go back here. Oh, it, it unshuffled them all for me. I believe I just said Trey Mason, or yeah, Trey Sermon. I'm all over the place right now. Trey Sermon is six foot two hundred five. Well. Jordan Mason, Trey Sermon, Jordan Mason, not confusing at all, is 5'11", 223. So he's an inch shorter than Trey Sermon, but he outweighs him by at least 10 pounds. And it looks like that could even be more. He's just a massive dude, and he's looked good. And and I think that Jordan Mason could surprise some people, and the 49ers may go with him over someone like Jermichael Hasey or Jeff Wilson Jr., you know, and he could be the, that next great undrafted free agent fine. Uh, you know, I've only been here for two practices, but I'd heard Jordan Mason has looked good before I got here. And he, in the two practices I've been here, he looked pretty solid. Moves quick, soup just real thick, like real stout. Does not look like somebody anybody would enjoy making contact with. So keep an eye out for, for Jordan Mason. He could be uh, – he could be somebody that either makes the roster or somebody that they try and sneak onto the practice squad. And obviously I can't talk training camp standouts without mentioning the defensive front. I mean, 
just relentless pressure over and over and over. And and that could be a a knock on the offensive line. It, it likely is. But it's also a big plus for the defensive front because they are getting after it. And those 49ers quarterbacks are just constantly trying to figure out how the hell to operate the offense with these guys just flying into the backfield. On one rep later in practice, Nick Bosa and Samson Ebicam, they kind of lined up on the Bosa, like they kind of lined up on the same side of the line. Uh, Samson Ebicam was just slightly inside of Nick Bosa. And I don't think Trent Williams was in on this play because Ebicam and Bosa just collapsed the whole right side, well, a quarterback's left side of the offensive line. And you just saw two or three players just come tumbling right in front of Trey Lance to the point where I thought Trey Lance might have scooped, gotten scooped up with it. But he backed up, threw the ball away, and the players went tumbling past, past Trey Lance right up to Kyle Shanahan. And he had to kind of step out of the way. So the defensive front has been so, so impressive. The depth there is is pretty unbelievable. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what they can do because – I mean, they just look like they are on a warpath. It's it's been pretty unbelievable. So we'll see. But I, there was no way I couldn't mention them. They are just unbelievable so far. And the last person I'm going to end with in terms of training camp standouts is, of course, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, Brandon Ayuk just looks like the man when it comes to receiver. He when it comes to the passing game, he looks like the guy. And we know Debo is is still the man. But in terms of a pure pass catcher, it looks like Brandon Ayuk might have closed the gap to Debo Samuel. Now we know Debo Samuel's versatility is a whole different conversation, and what Debo Samuel brings to the offense is an entirely different matter. But as like I said, in, in the passing game, as a pass catcher, as a receiver, Ayuk looks real good. And he looks I, I would not be surprised at all if Brandon Ayuk went punch for punch throughout the season in terms of receiving yards with Debo Samuel. Because one, Ayuk put in quite a bit of time with Trey Lance over the summer so the two of them could build that chemistry. And he just he just makes some plays and some catches that you're just like, man, what the hell? He has an unbelievable jump. It, he plays like he's like 6'4". He's only six foot, but he plays like he's like 6'4 because – he can just jump, and he's got long arms, and he stretches them out there, and he's got great hands, so he just snags the ball out of the air. There's been st- at least a few plays. I mean, you can look at the highlight play that the 49ers posted on their Twitter account yesterday, and it was like a view. The, the initial thumbnail is Trey Lance standing there, and it was an end zone view of Trey Lance throwing kind of just a, a fade ball to Brandon Ayuk. And he even looked like he might have mistimed his jump a little bit. He went up and grabbed the ball, came down with it, and he just – he is a freak, freak athlete. He's getting open. He's beating defenses deep. He's beating them over the middle. He's catching the tough stuff. He did have that drop today, but I'll excuse that one. He just looks the part, and he he just has this this body control, this flexibility that just makes him – just so deadly. Even when a DB's right on him, he's going to go up and get the ball. And uh, it's 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 been really cool to watch. And I really do think he takes a pretty big step next year. Now I gotta caution that because the, when I was making bold predictions at the beginning of last season, I thought Brandon Ayuk was going to be like a fourteen hundred yarder. And now, in my defense, 
he did have that first half of the season where apparently he wasn't focused. He was in the doghouse. Shanahan said they had to talk. They had to get his mind right. But then during the back half of the season, he started to figure it out again. And if you look at his stats, you know, I'll go to his, his game logs from last season. His last half of the season, he was on a very good pace. And if it was a pace that if he would have kept that up throughout the entire season and he never needed to get like his mind right, like we talked about, he may have well been in like the 1200 yard mark. But it, it's, that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. What I see right now is a pretty impressive display of athleticism and pass catching. And it's clear that him and Ayuk are on the same page. Or excuse me, Ayuk and Lance are on the same page. So I think Lance is going to continue to look at him. And it's going to be up to Debo Samuel to kind of pull some of those looks away from Ayuk. I mean, obviously you got to get the ball to Debo Samuel, period. And it definitely doesn't have to be in a run play. But I do think that there's a good chance that Ayuk goes punch for punch with Debo this year in terms of receiving yards and having that impact in the passing game. Now, again, Debo brings a whole different element to the game after the catch, um, you know, out of the backfield. But when it comes to passing, Ayuk, Ayuk may have a, a slight edge on Debo right now, but I could also just be – overreacting to Ayuk's success and Debo's going to come right back along tomorrow and just dominate the practice, which is fine. Dominate it, Debo. Dominate it. So again, um, hey, I was listening to yesterday's episode and I noticed the audio was just kind of inconsistent. Me and KP were sitting in the same room and I kind of had the, you know, I had the mic in a setting where you can talk into it from both directions, but just my voice seemed quite a bit louder than his. So if you listen to that and you found it annoying, I'm sorry. I'll try and find up with it with try and find a better solution uh, next time. Uh, whether that's just being on two separate computers, I just like to record the pod with the person here in the same room because you know it's just it's easier to have a conversation that way. So if the audio was a little bit wanky, I apologize. Uh, I'll try and uh, improve upon it the next time I have a guest on here. But again, just to repeat myself. Um, there is another today's Tuesday. There is another practice tomorrow. Uh, I will be potting right after that practice to break it down for y'all. And then there will be a day off and then we'll have three more practices. And I will pod after each one of those to break down the practice, give it to you straight. And, uh, and you guys know where you need to go. If you want to hear training camp news, make sure you're following me over on Twitter too. Uh, I've been tweeting out everything I felt like was of note, um, at Rob underscore louder, plenty of tweets, plenty of tweets and some videos from practice too. We're only allowed to video during the beginning part of practice. So, that's why there's no video of the fight, no video of any of these big plays. We're just not allowed to. Sometimes the 49ers will find a way to capture it, though, and we'll see if that if those pop up. But appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making it what it is. Um, again, keep tuning back in here. We're going to have a new episode for you um, after every practice for the rest of the week. So make sure you're locked in. Recommend it to your friends if they want to you know, hear about training camp and the stuff I'm seeing. And, hey, if any of you guys have a question, I'm not necessarily doing a mailbag, but if any of you guys have a training camp question, send it over. Like, just hit me up on Twitter at Rob underscore Louder, and maybe even though even if it's not a mailbag episode, if I can make a note of your question, I'll throw it into an episode. I mean, I don't care if you're if you're listening right now and you want to, you know, shoot me something. You never know. I'll, I'll, I might just throw it in there if I feel like it's a, a pertinent, relevant question. But, um, anyways, appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Make you make sure you are subscribing, rating, downloading, sharing all that good stuff because you're the ones that uh, that make the wheel turn. But hey, we'll be back on here tomorrow, baby. 
practice rolls on and the season is getting closer. Are we not like a few ga- few days away from the Hall of Fame game? Man, we're, we're here. It's We're here. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready. But appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And for another episode, we are signing out. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.